Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Brad Evans, who is the EP of gaming content at Bally Sports, who you can find on SiriusXM on Fade the Noise and on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Brad. Do I dare even ask how your week 10 was? Oh, God, it was a bloodbath in the player props market. I could tell you that right now. I was, it was a roller coaster ride for fantasy devices. Uh, but I do have AJ Dillon. So, Ooh, you know, much to one. the chagrin of Aaron Jones backers. And I'm glad that Jones has only got a spray name sales. They're going to miss a game or two. But man, you want to talk about the battering ram? I'm going to saddle up that Clydesdale and ride him these next couple of weeks. Uh, I think he's going to be easily a top 10 fantasy back, maybe even top five. So, Uh, There's one silver lining and otherwise wasteful weekend for me. Well, that is definitely good. It's been two crazy weeks in a row. And I know I feel like we always say this is a crazy week. Have you ever seen a week like this? But these have actually been two crazy weeks. Double digit dogs, winning games, my Carolina Panthers overcoming uh, a a lot of things. Um, Cam Newton, obviously. So a lot of things happening. NFL feels almost like a little bit more random and a little bit more like, you know, everyone's game maybe not everyone maybe not if you're the jets or the lions but a lot of yeah. a lot of teams hey seem they to got have... a tie that's a win right samantha <laughs> i know Najee harris didn't even know you could tie so <laughs> <laughs> must be nice um well anyway we will just jump right into our 21 questions so the first question is what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league uh, I did not win my first league, uh, but I started playing fantasy football in 1995, believe it or not, uh, with some friends at a pizza joint in Champaign, Illinois that I played with. Uh, we used to do it by hand. I was a league commissioner uh, and I would be using like a 28A connection on Sunday nights, waiting for an eternity for the stats to load. Uh, I remember those days. A broadband just changed my life, Samantha. Let me tell you. 
Uh, because once you got to the high speed internet connections and commissioner services and all that jazz, and, and you're a young woman, so you may have no idea of what I'm talking about. But, you know, back in those times, it was like Galapagos tortoise slow. It was like Benny Snell slow <laughs> uh, when it was all said and done. So it would take me hours on end just to tally up. And I physically call people over the phone and be like, hey, here are the results. This is how you did. I remember it took Barry Sanders with my first pick. So that worked out well. And I had Jeff George. I went to University of Illinois and I love guys with mullet and mustache combinations. Don't ask me why. And he had an outstanding one. So I I remember fondly my first year in fantasy, though it did not finish on a high note. Well, I love stories like this, even though I cannot necessarily necessarily relate to them. They are super wholesome. Do you still play in that league right now? No, that thing uh, blew up a long time ago, but I, I do play in a local league, uh, the Rig Range Invitational. It is a salary cap slash auction format that I've been doing for, God, I don't know, 20 years. And we have you know, kind of the same core of guys uh, that are in it. Some have fallen by the wayside, but for the most part, there's a good seven or eight that are OGs in that league. And now that I'm back in town, we got together, had a huge, spectacular blowout in the basement. It was a blur uh, after about 30 players. Uh, were, you know, were thrown out in the beginning of the draft because there was a lot of beverages flowing. I'll say that much. (laughs) That is hilarious. That is a really fun story. All right. What are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Well, I mean, the the best parts, uh, to be honest with you, are probably the worst parts for a lot of people. I love uh, the randomness of it all, uh, the unpredictability of it. You know, there are surprises that lurk around every single corner uh, you know, you look at a guy like Ramondre Stevenson and, you know, just uh, in, in near term, because, it, you know, it's fresh on the mind. You know, nobody wants to try to get in the treacherous mind of Bill Belichick. I call him Bill Bezelchek because uh, I think he is devilish in many ways. And, you know, he's untrustworthy. And, you know, you got to put your waybills out there on the line. And we weren't really sure what, what Stevenson was going to get this past weekend. But. If you if you had the confidence and or maybe you were just desperate enough, you threw him in your lineup, you know, 100 and plus total yards on 24 touches, a couple of touchdowns out of nowhere. That's the kind of stuff I love. And I love the stories of the undrafted free agents that hit it big or the late round picks in the NFL that hit it big like an Elijah Mitchell right now. You know, we were all talking about Trey Sermon back in August. And, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan zigged while the rest of us zagged and Mitchell's been indispensable for fantasy purposes. So that's the best part for me. Uh, The worst part of the injuries, Uh, you know, those just, you know, you can't see them coming. Uh, It creates uh, so much chaos and upheaval. Uh, I'm speaking as somebody who was a Derrick Henry enthusiast who had him on, I don't know, a multitude of rosters. We're rocking, we're rolling. And then the train derailed. And it's like, all right, you could say, well, why did you have his handcuff? Well, we had no idea his handcuff would be. We still don't really know. We're working through that. Isn't the ancient one, Adrian Peterson? Is it Deonta Foreman who was signed off the trash heap uh, with a little Jeremy McNichols mixed in? I mean, again, I guess it speaks to the randomness, which I should like, but it pertains to me and I'm crushing in my fantasy league. And then the injury crushes my soul by taking out my superstar. That sucks. (laughs) 
Derrick Henry injury, definitely soul crushing. I was just going to ask you if you were over leveraged in Derrick Henry shares this season. Yes. Certainly disappointing. Uh-huh. And uh, to your point, uh, I love that a couple of weeks ago, the biggest topic was like, should we roster Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols? And the answer was neither. So right, exactly. uh, definitely a, a lot of randomness. And uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I actually did start him in two leagues, which oh, I'm, very I, nice. yeah, I'm going to I'm going to just be honest and honesty is important. I'm going to be honest that those teams stink. So that's yeah. why I even had him on my team at the time, but uh, it happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, in that sense, the randomness worked out for me. All right. Jumping into the actual football stuff. We are going to kick it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is of course a mean girls reference. So as fantasy managers, it's so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So I'm going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they're in your burn book. So our first question is Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not a crazy person. I'm not asking if you're burning him completely, but in the Packers did pick up a win in this game, but Rodgers didn't throw a single touchdown, completed 23 of 37 for 292 yards and zero touchdowns, one interception. It's his second straight appearance with under 20 fantasy points. Is he maybe burned out of that must-start matchup-proof tier, though? Uh, I mean, I think it's debatable right now. And, you know, I'm a matchup advocate. Um, and, you know, he had a splendid paper matchup against Seattle. Uh, but that game just, it was rancid from start to finish. Uh, just a future performance by both quarterbacks, really. Just odd as well. I mean, Russell Wilson, not so much. We knew there was going to be some accumulated rust there. The questions about his gripping ability with the finger and his ability just to throw the ball accurately. You know, him saying, oh, I work 19 hours a day to get back in uh, shape. Dude, it's a finger. Uh, Maybe you should have been, you know, reading the defense is better in the scouting report uh, than, you know, working out with little, you know, thumb war or finger exercises. I don't know. It didn't work out for him. He's out there playing Madden or something. And that's the finger exercise. The deadliest weapon that Russell's got right now are his legs. That's about it. So. You know, for me, I'm, you know, I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers a pass. It was an odd week with the circumstances, you know, obviously revolving around the controversial statements that he made and uh, the backlash that he suffered from that and and not being at practice. I mean, he basically cold and came in cold in a very cold environment, which he's used to and delivered very chilly results in the end. You got to remember he had six games, or actually it was seven games prior in a row of multi-touchdown performances. He's going to get back to that starting this week. And uh, it's Minnesota and he's got my bears on the horizon and they're terrible. So he'll be just fine. I'm staying the course. I'm not putting him in the burn book. Uh, I would trust Aaron Rodgers this week and every week moving forward. Yeah. I think you have to give Aaron Rodgers a pass just from, you know, his coaching staff, his, his upside. I am certainly not taking him out of my lineups. Um, all right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Jerry Judy. Since returning from his injury in week one, he's been largely tepid for fantasy purposes, maybe not totally his fault, but caught six of nine targets for 48 yards last week and now has the bye. So I want to know kind of what your rest of season outlook on Jerry Judy is and are we maybe burning him possibly just due to the Broncos offense as a whole? Oh, yeah, the Broncos. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, definition of it, right? You, you go and you clobber the Cowboys. And you deep pant the Cowboys. And then you turn around and deep pant yourselves <laughs> at home. Like, it is, it's just a bizarre uh, set of circumstances. I, I don't know what version you're going to get week in, week out. You know, Teddy Two Gloves uh, is really indecipherable of what he brings to the table. So, 
I think Jerry Judy is a wide receiver three, uh, likely rest of season. I'm actually more concerned about Cortland Sutton since uh, you know, Jerry Judy's return. But, you know, Judy's still getting the volume. He's consistently getting six receptions in the game. He's done that at all but one contest so far this season. And you look at the rest of the season schedule, Samantha. You know, it, there's some nice matchups in there. Kansas City got on the horizon. Detroit. Cincinnati's got all kinds of issues right now in that secondary. That's the first round of the fantasy playoffs. Vegas, you saw him get picked apart on Sunday Night Football, resurrecting Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, so there's some nice matchups that he can exploit. I'm going to stay the course with Judy. I'm not going to go overboard, but wide receiver three to 12 team league sounds about right for me. Yeah, I would definitely put him in that tier. And I think that many managers can't afford to burn him quite yet. So yeah. I am uh, leaving him in, at least on my bench in a lot of lineups. Um, all right. The next thing we're going to talk about a guy that really, really started out hot had, but just it's Mike Williams. And he has yeah. seriously fallen off a cliff since that crazy start has not crested the double digit fantasy marks since week five was another disappointing game against the Vikings this week with just five points in half PPR. Does Williams belong in managers burn books? I am concerned. Uh, because we have a pattern of ineptitude here with Mike Williams. And, you know, it's just he's out of rhythm right now with Justin Herbert. And there's some concentration issues there as well. I mean, he dropped a touchdown uh, this last weekend. Uh, would have been an easy six. He was wide ass open, botched it. You know, what happens. And, you know, but uh, it, this is four games in a row now where he's just not getting it done. I mean, since week six, he's wide receiver 61 in fantasy total points scored in a half point PPR setting. Over that stretch, just a 52.6% catch rate. You know, the good news is he's still seeing a, a pretty high red zone share. He's got eight red zone targets over that stretch again since week six. So the opportunities are there. He just needs to have a carpe diem moment. He needs to seize it again, get that confidence back up. I don't know when it's going to come, but I'm going to bench him until further notice. He has got to regain my trust because he has now fallen outside of that circle of trust. Yeah, he's definitely outside of the circle of trust for me, too. You know, I, I don't know if you're also in Scott Fish, I assume, because everyone yes. is in the Scott yeah. Fish League. So I thought I had a great team with Christian McCaffrey as the my first round pick and uh, Mike Williams, who I thought was like such a great late round find. And of course, this team has gone so off the rails. So uh, I, I just could, I can't tell if that was just one of those like weird early season blips or if this is like maybe he can uh, kind of turn it around uh, last week. Last week, not not this week, week nine, they were they had like three tight ends that had touchdowns. And I was like, could just one of those go to Mike Williams right, or right. something like who are these guys that are getting touchdowns? So it's it's been definitely a little frustrating, especially if, uh, you know, you were relying on him like I was. All right. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is Adrian Peterson. But it's kind of more of a question about the Titans backfield at large, which we uh, alluded to at the beginning. Peterson found the end zone in week nine, albeit on a very impressive 2.1 yards per carry. Posted just three fantasy points in week 10 behind Dante Foreman, who really just looked better than both Peterson and McNichols. So my question kind of is, does this entire backfield belong in the burn book or is there someone that you are trusting going well, forward? Well, it's definitely not Adrian Peterson. Uh, he's a cuckoos. He's done. I mean, the 2.11 yards after contact per attempt these last couple of games, one missed tackle forced uh, and 18 rush attempts. I mean, that says it all. I know it's a small sample size. Uh, you know, he heard on the broadcast too over the weekend. It's like, oh, well, he's still got that spin move. Okay. I mean, he might spin off a guy, but he's getting tackled by the next guy, probably for like a one inch gain. 
It's just not getting it done in the trenches. Uh, Deonta Foreman is 11 years younger than him. He's got far more juice in the legs. He is a more effective producer in the pass game, evidenced by the two catches for 48 yards uh, in week 10. And I think moving forward, you're going to see Foreman start really gaining the upper hand here. I think he's going to get anywhere between 13 to 15 touches per game. And Samantha, Samantha, you know what narrative we got coming up? Revenge game, Revenge game against the That's Texans, right. yes. <laughs> so, you know, is Foreman in the RB2 conversation in deeper formats? Absolutely he is. And Jeremy McNichols will still supplant him occasionally on third downs. But I, I like what the former 2,000-yard rusher at the University of Texas is doing, uh, though nobody at the University of Texas right now likes their current product because they lost to Kansas over the weekend. Yes, Kansas. Brutal. Brutal. Not basketball and football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brutal. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Of the three guys, I would say Adrian Peterson is the one that I'm least excited about. Uh, I think maybe we just made too much about the the volume, but I, I had concerns right after Henry went down. I was like, yeah. I feel like Fraybell's just going to make this a messy backfield, kind of similar to the way like the Ravens backfield is basically unusable uh, for fantasy purposes uh, after they lost like five running backs uh, in the preseason. So uh, he's definitely been uh, less impressive. I think McNichols may be more incorporated in game scripts where they may be more competitive or trailing more, but in these game scripts with against Houston, like I don't, I don't see it happening. So uh, Dante Foreman is the guy for me, uh, certainly a good waiver wire target this week. Uh, all right. The final guy we're going to talk about in the burn book is Dalton Schultz. So he briefly looked like he could be a league winner early on, but he had another quiet game in what should have been a positive week 10 matchup against the Falcons caught just one of two targets for 14 yards. He just seems to be down the priority list now behind CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Tony Pollard, and even Michael Gallup, who is back now returned for the first week since week one. He Schultz has just 11 fantasy points in half PPR in the last three games combined. So are we burning him out of the tight end one tier? Yeah, I think you have to. And, you know, tight end is a desolate wasteland right now. There's no doubt about it. And by the way, I do like Adam Troutman. If you're desperately seeking some assistance there, his arrow is uh, ascending right now while Schultz is pointing in the opposite direction. And I think a lot of it has to do with Michael Gallup. We all feared this. You know, once Gallup would come back off of injured reserve, uh, you know, you're spreading the love even more now for Dak. Gallup played brilliantly, by the way. He had a toe tap on the sideline. Uh, he looked vintage. He runs clean routes. He's explosive down the field. He's, uh, you know, unafraid going across the middle. That's a lot of the stuff that Dalton Schultz does. So with Amari Cooper there, with CeeDee Lamb there, with Gallup now back in the fold, uh, you know, utilize the running backs in the past game as well. Yeah, Schultz, uh, I think, is on the outside looking in of the QB1 class and 12-team leagues moving forward. Rank these, as a follow-up, rank these three tight ends, Dan Arnold, Tyler Conklin, and Dalton Schultz, rest of season. Uh, your order is correct. Uh, it actually goes Dan Arnold first uh, for me. Hey, Arnold, uh, I, it's got to continue to get it done. I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence, we all thought it was going to be a lock for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he has had his struggles, to say the least. Uh, but Jacksonville, strangely, is gaining confidence. An Urban Meyer coach team, uh, I call Urban Meyer the raging nincompoop because it's exactly what he is, and he's such an ill fit for the NFL. But uh, <laughs> they're starting to show some competitive spirit here, uh, playing some tight games. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Dan Arnold has been an integral part of this offense. 
whether native game scripts, positive game scripts, competitive games, uh, that is here to stay. And now Conklin, you know, he had the two touchdown performance uh, against the Chargers over the weekend. He has benefited from some very generous matchups specifically to the position. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be more of a roller coaster ride, more unpredictable for him rest of season where I think, you know, Dan Arnold is a fixture as probably a seven, eight target per game guy here down the stretch. I love what Arnold has done because, you know, we always talk about the tight end position being so touchdown dependent and Arnold's doing yeah. it without any touchdowns, zero touchdowns love this it. year, but he has such a great floor because of the targets and he's just putting up production, even in difficult matchups, like against the bills. So I have been very pleased with what I have seen from him. Um, all right, that'll do it for the burn book. Next up here on the fantasy flex is our elite entry segment where I dive into the prize fix app to build some entries. I'll identify some markets. I like you build your own prize fix entries and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four week 11 quarterback plays on prize fix. The first play I like is Mac Jones under 230 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Falcons. Death, taxes, and Mac Jones unders. We are now on week four of hitting these unders. So I'm going to keep it rolling against the Falcons, which may seem weird given how exploitable and exposed this Falcons defense has looked. The thing is, even in games where the Patriots tack on a ton of points, Jones just doesn't put up a lot of yards. This is a low volume offense. Week seven, the Patriots scored 54 points against the Jets and Jones had 217 yards. Week 10, the Patriots scored 45 points and Jones had just 198 yards. I think they'll handle this Falcons team pretty easily. And I think they're going to lean on this run game, which has looked super strong, even without Damian Harris there. Uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson had a great breakout game, 100 yards and two touchdowns. So this is also a Thursday night game. So I, I really, really like the under on the passing yards for Jones. The next play I like is Tua Tungo Vailoa over 220 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Jets. What an odd situation last week that Tua, who is dealing with a finger injury, is healthy enough to dress but not healthy enough to start. And then he actually is healthy enough to sub in for Jacoby Brissett. And after he came in for Brissett, he completed eight of 13 attempts for 158 yards and tacked on a rushing touchdown. Um, he has been named the starter this week as of Monday, and that would seem to indicate that his finger is healed. And he gets a great matchup against the Jets this week who are allowing 283 passing yards per game, which ranks second worst in the NFL. So I like him to go over there. Another play that I like is Justin Fields over 179 and a half passing yards at home versus the Ravens. I get it. We don't love Fields as a passer, but he did post two of his best games to date in weeks eight and nine. He tossed multiple touchdowns in week eight against the 49ers for the first time this year and broke 100 rushing yards in that game. And then in week nine, he posted a career high 291 passing yards against the Steelers. He's going to be well rested coming off of the Bears week 10 bye to face the Ravens defense which is allowed an NFL high 283 and a half passing yards per game. So I love Fields to go over this paltry number. The final play that I like is Taylor Heineke under 245 and a half passing yards on the road versus Carolina. Heineke and the Washington football team entered the week as double digit dogs and were very impressive against the Buccaneers. 
Uh, Heineke completed 26 of 32 attempts for 256 yards and a touchdown and tacked on three rushes for 15 yards. That said, Tampa's secondary ranks near the bottom of the NFL, and he gets a matchup on the polar opposite end of the spectrum against Carolina this week, who are allowing an NFL best 174 passing yards per game. So their secondary has been just ridiculous. I know Stephon Gilmore is a little banged up, but he could still play in this game. So I think that Heineke will struggle in this tough matchup. All right, that is our elite entry for today, going with Mac Jones under 230 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Falcons. Tua Tungavailoa over 220 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Jets. Justin Fields over 179 and a half passing yards at home versus the Ravens. And Taylor Heineke under 245 and a half passing yards on the road versus Carolina. As a reminder, you can mix and match fan points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because prize picks has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepicks.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on 21 Questions with Brad Evans. Our next segment is called Full Send or That's Cap, which Brad, I need to know, do you ski or do any kind of like extreme sports? No, uh, I lived in Colorado for seven years, Samantha, and I never skied. I have this like strange belief that if I get on skis, I'm going to shred a groin. It's going to be over. That's a wrap. That's done. I have no athletic ability whatsoever either. So that doesn't really help me. If you give me a toboggan, if you give me a giant inflated tube where I could just rest in it with a beer in my left hand and somebody pushes me down a mountainside, I'm in. I love that. Uh, well, first, I'm going to be teaching skiing at Breckenridge part time this season. So oh, if you nice. ever if you want to come by for a ski lesson, you are always welcome. But um, anyway, that. Th- the reason why is full send is kind of like an extreme sports term, which means like you're going for it. You're going head first yeah. like you love it. Okay. And then cap is obviously more of a Gen Z term. That's like that's crap. That's not real. That's BS. Uh, so basically, it's the opposite of the last segment. I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise. And I want to know, are you sending it on this player or is that cap? So the first player, Cam Newton, my Cam Newton, uh, was surprisingly active for this week after getting signed by the Panthers, although PJ Walker got the start, a determination that was made before Newton was signed. And he definitely made the most of his usage. I mean, he scored twice on his first two snaps, given the salary that he was paid. I think it's obviously unlikely that Newton rides the bench for even more than one week. So my question is, are we going full send on Newton as a potential streamer uh, as early as next week against the football team whose defense is very Swiss cheesy or is that cap? No, no. I mean, given that qualification, the stream qualification, it's full send for me. I mean, here's the thing about Cam Newton. You know, everybody talks about how inaccurate he was with the New England Patriots, but the advanced analytics really don't bear that out. Um, you know, pro football focus, he was QB 13 and just a completion percentage last season. Hell, he was top five in deep ball completion percentage. Now, more limited sample size in that latter category. But where is Cam's value really reside? It resides with his legs. And he is the most efficient, you could argue the most uh, effective runner inside the five-yard line, regardless, regardless of position. 
you know, he's got the ball in his hands inside the five calls his own number. He's falling forward. He can bounce it outside. He's got enough speed. You saw that in Arizona. He's back. He's back. He's back at all of its, you know, glorious uh, celebration. And, and I think there are a lot of people in fantasy land, maybe in one of them. I'm in a super flex and two quarterback league. I picked up cam everywhere last week when I heard the news, then I saw the contract. I was like, Oh hell yeah. That cat's going to be starting the rest of the season. No doubt about it. So, you know, you got two teams on by coming up here in week 11. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves uh, going to be on a one-week siesta. Uh, also, Matthew Stafford on a one-week siesta. So, if you're a Stafford manager and you're looking for somebody to plug and play, Cam Newton against the low PSI deflated fighting footballs of Washington, <laughs> who have allowed the most fantasy points, as you mentioned, to the quarterback position. He could throw for a buck 85. He could throw for a touchdown. He could raise the floor with 40 plus on the ground and as well as he normally does score six with his legs. So I think Cam Newton is going to be right there in the top 15 conversation week in and week out henceforth. Yeah. Here's what I love about Cam. I mean, I love a lot of things about Cam. I love every, actually, I just love everything about him because I love his style. I love <laughs> I just everything, but uh, you know, he's got more weapons obviously than he had last year with the Patriots. I think that's pretty safe to say with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. And so I think that that supporting cast is going to really help him. And then I think that there's always going to be those design runs and packages for him that it's going to give you fantasy value. He's going to vulture touchdowns away from Christian McCaffrey, which is going to be really uh, frustrating in in a way, but uh, certainly good. If you want to roster him, Uh, he could really, I think, win people some seasons so there, there will be some off weeks but in a lot of times it's gonna be ugly like that's the thing like it's not the prettiest sometimes it's like watching i don't know jalen hurts uh but yeah. you know they, no, they get the job done they get yeah. the job done for fantasy and that's all that matters all right we have already talked about Ramondre stevenson but i want to talk about him again uh the truthers can obviously rejoice now after his long-awaited breakout in week 10 with Damian Harris, a sideline in the concussion protocol. He saw 20 carries for 100 yards and a pair of touchdowns. I certainly don't want to detract from this fantasy, like this fantastic performance, but his role and subsequent outlook is somewhat contingent on the game script and Harris being out. That said, Bill Belichick is notoriously unpredictable, as you mentioned earlier. So when it comes to running backs, that could maybe work in Stevenson's favor. Are we going full send on Stevenson as a potential flex play, even if Harris is healthy next week, or is trusting any Patriots running back not named Damian Harris cap? Uh, well, look, it's uh, it's the deep fried Falcons, Samantha. Uh, it's done. I mean, Atlanta showed their true colors uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be down Cordero Patterson. They are uh, uh, atrocious. They really are. And defensively as well. So full send with my guy, rah, 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 Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> uh, credit to Brandon Funson for the bad romance reference there. But uh, we're huge fans of him. We talk about him on the SiriusXM show all the time. You know, it really impressed me too, you know, this last week, besides the volume, you know, you look under the hood, it's the fact that he had 3.20 yards after contact per attempt. So he was that battering ram. He was that arm tackle busting running back that we saw in the preseason with the first team live and in living color. So, you know, against Atlanta, that ranks inside the top five and most fancy points allowed of the running back position. E with Harris back, I think he's going to get anywhere between 11 to 14 touches in this game. And that is enough for flexi, sexy appeal. So, yeah, I'm going to start him with confidence. And I also have him in a 14-team league, and he will be in my lineup. You can make damn sure of that this week. Well, that is really good to hear. Obviously, I thought he looked 
great. And it's one of those things is like, you can't put the GD back in the bottle. Like you, after you've seen him do it, like, I feel like he has, they have to incorporate him. And I just hope that he doesn't miss a meeting, wear the wrong color <laughs> to upset Bill Belichick, whatever. God forbid he fumbles and he's on waivers the next day. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, we talked about the randomness. It's there. It's, it's especially there with the Patriots, but I am as full sound as I can be um with him all right the next guy we're gonna talk about uh we've already talked about this jags offense but someone else jamal agnew it was a strange Mm. week for agnew who caught zero passes on five targets against a colt exploitable secondary but then tallied three carries for 79 yards and a touchdown on the ground uh kind of just strange because the Colts run defense is pretty good, but they're kind of using him. He's like everything we hoped LaVisca Chenault would be in this Urban Meyer offense. I know it hurts me too, because I was like president of the LaVisca Chenault (laughs) fan club. So my question is, are we going full send on Agnew as a viable wide receiver three flex play rest of season? No, I'm capping that. Uh, look, he is unreliable. He is untrustworthy. Um, you know, the jet sweep action is great, you know, and I think that's where he's most effective. And that's what you saw this last week and him scoring the long touchdown against the Colts. Uh, but, you know, the target share, it's just mediocre. You know, it doesn't really move the needle for me. You know, he's got five targets uh, or more in four straight games. Uh, but it's just, uh, you know, a bit up and down. And, you know, for me, I, I need somebody that I can put my my trust in. Uh, on a weekly basis at the flex and wide receiver three position. I think the better options that are out there. And I just, you know, I, I'm not going to you know, look at Jamal Agnew and just think, oh, wow, this is the week uh, that he's all of a sudden going to get all these jet sweeps. This is the week he's going to get like seven, eight targets. I'm confidently hitting that bam button and submitting them in my lineup. I, I just don't ever feel like I'm going to get that feeling. But then again, I haven't felt warm and fuzzy about a Jacksonville Jaguar since the Fred Taylor days. So it's been a minute. That is really funny. I will say that I started him in two leagues. Uh, wow, that's which, <laughs> I know it was ballsy. Well it was a little, it was a little ballsy though. Uh, yeah. Bye weeks were just really hard on me in one of my leagues. I had a whole like the whole bench was all by bye week guys, so I had to make some difficult calls. But uh, I was glad to see that. I mean, that's not the way I thought he was going to get it done. I was like, oh, this cult secondary is trash. He'll definitely get right. it done through the air, and then zero zero catches. But uh, <laughs> right. yes, but to your point, that that's definitely not something that's a, a predictable thing. Week. Weeks, so I am not necessarily projecting him as someone that you can trust for fantasy. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about is Brian Edwards. He is like a fantasy darling. There are just guys that fantasy Twitter loves. Yes. Um, after laying a goose egg in week nine, he showed up, caught three three of four passes for eighty eight yards and a touchdown, slightly edging out Hunter Renfro in terms of fantasy fantasy production. Renfro did see more targets and is much more consistent in terms of production. How do you feel about Brian Edwards? Are you sending it on him as a wide receiver three or is that cap? No, it's cap. Uh, it, look, it, it, Brian Edwards, another one of those uh, unpredictable guys in fantasy football. And there is a strange and bizarre love affair with Brian Edwards in the fantasy yes. football community. I've never been part of that uh, group think in regards to this particular player. I, you know, look, I think we all fell in love with the bulging biceps that were just glistening in the summer sun (laughs) when we were all just, you know, thirsty for any kind of fantasy information that we could have gotten like June 
And people just automatically said, well, hey, it's Brian Edwards season. It was just like we saw Mike Davis's thighs and our eyes popped out of our sockets. We're like, dude, that cat's going to the moon. Top five. You know, he's going to be like the Dogecoin of running backs. But it's, you know, it's just not the case here with Brian Edwards. Um, you know, no, no more than five targets in a single game this season. That's really all the evidence that you need to have. Now, he's got a touchdown to the last three. Uh, oftentimes you would talk about a sweat session. It's, it's playing him every week because generally speaking, he doesn't show up until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I'm really worried about this uh, Las Vegas Raiders offense as a whole. They were humiliated on national television by a largely leaky Kansas city chiefs defense. A Derek Carr was just discombobulated out of sorts. Uh, it was a frustrating game to watch uh, with any kind of investment in this offense with the exception of maybe Edwards and, you know, the schedule, he'll, he'll have his moments, but again, pinpointing exactly when he's going to blow up is anyone's best guess. So cap for me, I'm passing. It's very frustrating to watch this Raiders offense because Carr at the beginning of the season was playing like MVP caliber ball. Uh, yeah. And obviously there have been numerous off-field distractions for them. So I don't I don't think it's Brian Edwards season quite yet. Um, I'm not ready to go full send on that. All right. The last guy we're gonna talk about is Tyler Conklin. We already kind of mentioned him. Yeah. He popped off in week 10 with a pair of touchdowns on just three catches and 11 yards. So the volume is not necessarily impressive, though he has seen at least five targets in six of the last seven games, which is respectable for a tight end. Are we going full send on Conklin as a fringe tight end one, or is the lack of volume make this cap? Oh, God, knowing uh, it's like a desolate landscape at, at tight end. There's rolling tumbleweed and zombies roaming the plains. Uh, I mean, he's borderline. You know, I want to get, uh, you know, splinters, the old sphincter with this one. But uh, I'm going to say cap. Uh, and there's one reason, one reason why. You know, again, uh, he was largely touchdown dependent in this last game, and he delivered. He scored not once, but twice. Fantastic. I had Tyler Conklin in that same 14-team league in which I had Ramondo Stevenson, so that was a fantastic streaming option, and I was just playing the matchup because uh, the Chargers largely been devoid against tight ends defensively this season. But, you know, you look at the numbers. He's tight in 31, Samantha, in red zone target percentage. Uh, that's unalluring. Uh, it's unappealing. It's unattractive. And, you know, it's just going to be a function of the matchup. And you look at the matchups remaining, and none of them really just stand out wonderfully on paper. Uh, you know, the best matchup he's got left against the L.A. Rams, uh, that would be in week 16. Uh, they've allowed the 13th most fantasy points to the tight end position. Everybody else outside of that, and many of them outside the top 20. So, you know, I, I think his best days have already happened. And for me, again, I'd rather go with an Adam Troutman, yes, Tied to Trevor Simeon, who has a noodly arm. Uh, but, you know, Conklin, I think, again, the, the best days are, are now behind him. Yeah, I think the, the touchdowns are a little deceiving. I would much rather have Dan Arnold than Conklin yeah, if you were looking too. on the waiver wire right now. All right, Rod, we have nine more rapid fire questions and we will get you out of here. So question yeah. 13 is name one player you just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. It's always a mandatory Montgomery. Duh, for <laughs> me. I mean, absolutely. Dave Montgomery is my guy, my dude. I love him. Uh, there's some others, uh, you know, for some weird, sick, strange reason, I love Boston Scott as Ooh. well. And for he years, good game, it, so that's he did. Well, I mean, look, I, I like kind of the the short little guys. I can pick them up, put them in my pocket, kind of carry them around. Uh, Boston <laughs> Scott's one of those guys. And I was always strangely an apologist for Royce Freeman. Maybe Royce Freeman season's going to happen in Houston 
it won't, but yeah. You know. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, next question. Predict when the Bears will win their next Super Bowl. You uh, told me you were a Bears fan before this. so uh, It'll be after my death. And I'm planning to oh lead a very long life, Samantha. It's not going to happen. Then again, I was a Cubs, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. And I, I said the Cubs are never going to win a World Series in my lifetime either. It happened in 2016. I nearly died that night uh, through the rain delay and the nervousness and all that. Um, I don't, you know, I, I have no idea. I will say this about my beloved Bears. We have found our quarterback. And I am excited for what the future holds with Justin Fields. When we get Matt Nagy's horrible coaching ass out of the Windy City. It needs to happen now. Fair enough. When you gave me this pessimistic answer, I was curious if that was because you were low on fields, but it certainly seems like he is not the problem in that organization. All right. Give us one Bears player who you think is underrated for fantasy. Well, I mean, honestly, Khalil Herbert is really interesting to me uh, for his long-term trajectory, particularly those people in dynasty leagues. He showed a lot and I did some scouting on him and, you know, among the, you know, lower tiered guys in the last NFL draft, his tape really stood out. I mean, he's a great one cut and go runner, fits his uh, zone scheme to a T, excellent after initial contact, all that stuff. Check, 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 check. It, It showed up on the field when given an opportunity. And the other guy I think is really ascending right now is Cole Komet. Cole Komet is quickly becoming the best friend of Justin Fields. Uh, he's got great athletic you know, skill set and build, and I think his star is only going to a sense. So those are two guys I'm really excited about the future for. We'll see if the Bears end up paying Montgomery after next season, uh, but you know they're in good hands with with Komet and Herbert if Montgomery were to march on. Of course, Justin Fields, too, being a centerpiece. So, yeah, those are two guys I like best. Speaking of underrated fantasy players, uh, was Joe Flacco ever elite, yes or no? Oh, hell no. Not remotely close. He was a lead for you know, a couple of playoff stretches. That's it. And, and then it became a thing with certain publications on the Internet. And it just, you know, it ran rampant. It became viral. No, not remotely elite. He should never sniff the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Uh, but yeah, Joe Flacco, terribly mundane, willfully average, Samantha. Fair enough. Well, based on your pessimism about the Bears, I assume you don't think this is the year. So uh, what no. needs do the Bears need to address during this year's draft? Yeah, the secondary needs some help. You know, I like Jalen Johnson a lot, uh, but, you know, some of the other DBs are very much a work in progress. Uh, you know, defensively, they're not getting a whole lot in, in terms of the pass rush game. Khalil Mack, I think it's been a bit of a disappointment. You know, they need to get back to being the black and blue Bears, uh, where they would just rock them, sock them, robot you in the mouth. And they run down your throat. The running down your throat part is there with Bill Lazor helping out, you know, within this offensive scheme. Um, and I think they've got enough weapons. Free Allen Robinson, you know, he really should go somewhere else where he actually has a passer and give the ball consistently. And, and maybe, you know, Fields with his growing confidence will be able to do so down the stretch. And you know, they look good right before the bye week. And I like Darnell Mooney quite a bit. I mentioned Komet. So offensively, the line's been great. Uh, better than advertised, it's defensively where the Bears need to address all their various holes. Fair enough. I am. I've been very over leveraged with Allen Robinson shares this year, so very disappointing there. I but I love the signs of life that I saw before the buy, as you mentioned. So maybe we will see the Bears turn it around. All right, who should a manager's top waiver ad be this week? Well, if Ramondre Stevenson is there, it's him. 
Uh, if he is not there and you're in a very challenging and competitive league, you didn't make shrewd moves like Samantha and I pick up Stevenson a week or two ago. And then you <laughs> had the audacity to plug him into your lineup and reap all of the 20 fantasy point goodness. Uh, I still think Deonta Foreman is also on that list. As I mentioned before to Adam Troutman, if you're desperately seeking a tight end, those guys are widely available right now in Yahoo leagues. And I would definitely put in a waiver wire claim for both of those guys and Cam Newton too, obviously, you know, for streaming purposes. And there is no way in hell he should be available in a super flex or two quarterback league. And if he is, you know, to smash the piggy bank, whatever he got left in fab cash, throw it all at Cam. Love it. All right. Three more questions. Give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Mm, Next season. You know, uh, there are a couple of players that are really interesting uh, to me. You know, I, I think Elijah Mitchell is is proven a ton to me here this year. And I'll be really curious to see where he goes in fantasy drafts next season because his skill set is otherworldly right now. I mean, he's he exceeded all expectations. And, and I'm a big proponent of yards after contact, missed tackle rates. And he has excelled in those areas. I mean, he's number two among eligible running backs in yards after contact per attempt. Kyle Shanahan is still going to be there. This is still going to be a run-first system. Uh, you're probably going to have Trey Lance more than likely be the starter. So having that dual-threat quarterback to open things up, you know, some of the spy action, the RPO plays uh, that you can take advantage of, I think Elijah Mitchell is going to turn a tidy profit. Probably guy right now, depending upon how he finishes, maybe round three, maybe round four. And then, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about him as a first-round fixture in fantasy draft. Wow, that is bold, but I am very ready to eat my words about him uh, earlier season. I just uh, didn't love that how much people were spending their fab on him, but obviously that did pay off for them. Yeah, uh, big time. Yeah. All right. How many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? Uh, let's see. Uh, if I had a week of hot yoga to prepare <laughs> and to limber up and, you know, stretch out to ensure that I'm not, you know, you know, tearing my groin or a hamstring or a glute or anything else that I'm surely going to do on the ski slopes at Breckenridge at some point in my life, Samantha. Uh, I would say if you set it over under a four and a half, might be able to get the under on that. Ooh, that's that's actually very impressive. It would take me many, many attempts. Uh, Dan Harris would need <laughs> 200 attempts for him. So uh, wow. uh, that is impressive. All right. Finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? Yeah, what I would say is this, don't overvalue the fantasy draft. Uh, I know there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and celebration because of the social socialization of getting together with your ladies, you're getting together with your guys, you're getting together with your people. Uh, the beverages are flowing, the smack talk is spewing, and everybody's having a wonderful time. And there's just so much investment into that singular event, as wonderful as it is. But it's not the be all end all to your fantasy season because of the ridiculous roster attrition and turnover that exists in fantasy football every single year. I always say this, Samantha, there is the fantasy football equation. It's part of three parts. One part is the draft. Uh, the next part is trades and transactions. So that includes waiver wire moves, roster moves, whatever it is. And the last part, luck. Yeah. You know, can you survive uh, the dastardly injury imp and that vicious bite? Week in and week out, can you survive uh, the ineptitude to say like a Brandon Ayuk uh, for the first several weeks that you spend a lot of draft capital on? You know, these are things that are just unpredictable. You don't see them coming, and you know you got to pivot, pivot like Ross with couches on Friends, 
And, you know, and that's the be all end all in fantasy. So just don't overvalue the fantasy draft and its impact on your fantasy season. I totally agree. I think that people place way too much emphasis on that and like obsess about their draft grades or whatever. Like no one cares. Get your guys. Yeah, and like yeah, this season is so young. So you have a lot of chances to turn it around, even if you had a bad draft. All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Brad Evans. Brad, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season. Uh, Samantha, I appreciate the time and having me on. Uh, you can find me all over the place. I'm a busy man. Uh, you can find me on Sirius X and Fantasy Sports Radio, Faith the Doys, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. I have a Sunday morning show I do solo uh, when I roll out of bed and shake off the hangover at like 9 a.m. Eastern on that channel. I've got a couple of podcasts, a Faith the Doys podcast, a Fantasy Fast Track podcast. Get wherever you get your podcast like this show. Download it, listen to it, get in, get out in 20 minutes or less. And every episode, I have a television show on Stadium that I do called the Fantasy Sports Book. Uh, and I'm writing on Bally Sports, uh, three articles a week and doing all kinds of fun stream yard videos for them on social media at Noisy Huevos. And Samantha, uh, I will not see you on the slopes. However, I will see you in the chalet uh, drinking a fine IPA. And I will toast you then. Thank you so much. And uh, seriously, you have been insanely entertaining. So definitely go follow Brad and check out all his work on Valley Sports and all over the podcast space. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday with my mailbag episode. Speaking of which, you should email any mailbag questions to mailbagactionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Fix. Peace out, y'all.